Welcome to episode 31 of Real Travels. I'm your host, Lisa Iannucci, and on today's episode, I'll let you know what I've been doing during the last few weeks, and I bring you a fun interview with Rob from the Rob on Location website. Let's get started. for listening to Real Travels. It's the second week in May 2020. And as I record this, it's been a few weeks since I've posted a show. Like many of you, I've honestly been struggling getting through the lockdown. For me, it wasn't knowing, it was not knowing if I should continue to produce a travel podcast because, well, we can't travel. And I was also suffering with what is my own anxiety and depression over the situation out there while working hard on any writing assignments I had and trying to make sure my home was secure. It took a lot out of me like it did many of you, and I needed to regroup and catch my breath. Times passed and I decided that while I'm still in lockdown in New York, I needed to try to get back to doing what I dream of doing, and that's growing this fun travel podcast and talk about getting back on the road. I don't know what tomorrow brings. I'm just taking things day by day right now. There will be some changes in this podcast going forward. I'll be adding more general travel tips, product reviews, and other content as I look to expand and make this, co- this podcast a bigger and better experience. Please also visit realtravelsmagazine.com. I'm getting back to that as well and expanding content there too. I'm also in the process of starting the Real Travels YouTube channel. There's so much going on. I'm so excited. So a side note, my latest book, Road Trip, The Sports Lover's Travel Guide to Museums, Halls of Fame, Fantasy Camps, Stadium Tours, and more, is out now and can be purchased online from oblongbooks.com. Thank you so much for supporting indie bookstores and hopefully picking up a copy of the book, maybe Maybe it might not be this year that you get back on the road, but maybe next year. Just use the book to kind of start to plan and think about where you do want to go because we are going to get back out there again. So I started when this pandemic hit what was called an I always wanted to but admit I've never seen movie challenge. It was a little bit of a bust for me during this time. I've only watched a couple of movies. Um, And I did binge a show, which I'll talk about in a little while. But don't worry if you haven't written a book or seen all the movies you wanted to see or painted a picture, created a video, or read your entire book collection. I recently wrote an article about feeling like a quarantine failure for Next Avenue. And while we see and read about people doing all these great things while stuck at home, many of us are just doing the same thing, working, watching television, And maybe, just maybe, reading a little. Whatever you're doing is okay. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. So I tried not to beat myself up for not completing my own challenge if I always wanted to but admit I'd never seen. And maybe I'll get back to it and maybe I'll just watch whatever movie I want to watch. But I can tell you I did watch one movie from that challenge. And that is the 1989 classic Say Anything. And it starred John Cusack, Ione Skye, John Mahoney, I remember him from Frasier, Lil and Lily Taylor. If you don't know anything about it, this might help. Did you ever see the photo or the meme or whatever they call that where young John Cusack is holding a boombox over his head as he tries to serenade, if that's the right word, his girlfriend into getting back together with him? That's from the movie Say Anything. The movie's a cult classic, and I probably would, be, would feel differently if I watched it back in 1989, but watching it in 2020, I can tell you the movie's really cheesy. And that boombox scene, we got to talk about the boombox scene, because of course I waited. All my friends use this picture in, in conversations that they have online, and they're like, oh, you haven't seen this movie, you have to see it. 
And we get to the boombox scene and I felt gypped because, spoiler alert, it didn't work. He's standing outside her window and it's an iconic movie scene where he's trying to get his girlfriend back, but it doesn't work. So I felt gypped. Of course, they get back together later, but talk about disappointment when I saw that scene. I get why everybody makes a picture out of it, but I really had higher expectations for what that picture was all about. So what else am I watching? Let's start with Ozark with Jason Bateman and Laura Linney. And EJ and I are actually going to talk more in detail about it in the next episode. We binged all three episodes in about 10 days. And I really enjoyed it. I'm a huge Breaking Bad fan. Did give me the same vibes of Breaking Bad. I'm still going to not put it as high as Breaking Bad. But it was still really good. And we'll get into more specifics because EJ will be my guest on my next show. I just finished Dead to Me on Netflix season two. And that was really good too. Um, I'm hoping, and they did set us up for a season three. So I am hoping that they come back with a season three. Um, Otherwise, it's an interesting ending. (laughs) But there's no word on whether or not they're doing a season three yet. In terms of movies, I've also watched On the Town. That is actually one of the movies I always wanted to see because my mom was um, is a huge Frank Sinatra fan. I'm a huge Gene Kelly fan. The two of them star together in this movie, and I never watched it. Um, I also never knew that Betty Garrett, who played Mrs. Babish on Laverne and Shirley, was also in the movie, and she was adorable in it. Now, I looked up filming locations because it was New York City based, and I thought, well, that's really great for film and TV travel podcast. But I actually found out there are only seven minutes of on-location shoots in that movie. The rest is done on a soundstage, and that was because of Frank Sinatra's popularity at the time. Think Beatles and women screaming. They didn't want that when they were filming in Times Square. But it's a cute movie, and I enjoyed it. And hey, it had Gene Kelly in it, and anything with Gene Kelly is a plus in my eyes. So now it's time for the interview of the week. This week it's from Rob, it's with Rob from Rob on Location, whose website features his visits to many famous and obscure filming locations from movies and television. We had a fun chat about several of his trips, and I think you're going to enjoy this. I'll see you on the other side. So this week, my guest on Real Travels is Rob from RobOnLocation.com. And his website's awesome because he's been to so many different places that have to do with TV shows and movies. And he's got sections of studios and museums that he's been to, live TV tapings. I probably could make a two-episode show just for the things that I could talk to Rob about. But we only have this one episode, but I'm really excited that he's here today. So welcome to the show, Rob. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, you're welcome. And now, you know, it's interesting. I had um, some YouTubers on who do similar to what you and I enjoy doing, which is go around and travel um, and look at some of the things that we enjoy that have to do with our favorite TV shows and movies. And they don't do this full time, uh, so I don't think you do this full time, right? You kind of, you don't have to talk about your job, but you do have a day job and you kind of work this all around your day job. Exactly. Yeah. I have a full-time Monday to Friday job. I work uh, in the travel industry. And uh, so this is really just a hobby that's sort of developed over the years. And as I got more into it and got more invested, I started dedicating more time to it. My Instagram account sort of took off with all these photos I've been posting. And that's what prompted me to look into launching a website with all this info I had. So I launched it, uh, I think, last summer. And uh, it's become a really fun hobby for me to share all these experiences. I think, I don't remember if it's on Twitter or Instagram that I found you, but I saw one of your posts and I thought, yep, He needs to be on my show. He's out doing exactly what we all enjoy doing. So how did you get, how did you start? Like when when did you realize that there is something for you to see out there? What was like the first thing that that you went and saw? Well, 
I mean, I grew up as a fan of movies and television. I was always captivated by everything. And, you know, as a child growing up, you always sort of develop a love for a specific show or movie that you enjoy. For me, you know, growing up in the 80s, it was Ghostbusters and Back to the Future and A Christmas Story, all those sorts of classic ones. So when I sort of got to the point in my life where I had a little bit of money and I could travel on my own instead of with my parents, you know, I'd go down to New York City for a weekend to see some shows. And then, you know, I I would say to myself, you know, I really need to check out the Ghostbusters building while I'm here. And fortunately, at that point, the internet already existed. So it was pretty easy to find the location. And I didn't know what to expect at that point, but I certainly was not the only tourist looking at that building. It's been popular for many, well, I guess since the 80s when it came out. And then from there, as I traveled a little more, I'd start checking out some other places. Uh, And then a few years after that, I got the opportunity to start working on cruise ships, which I did for a few years. And uh, I loved it. It was great. I got to travel the world. And that brought me to all sorts of cool locations. And, you know, sometimes I had to work and sometimes I would just go out with friends. But every once in a while, I'd look something up and, you know, oh, look, we're in San Francisco. I'm going to go check out the Full House house or the Mrs. Doubtfire house or something like that. And so about, I'd say, five years ago, I sort of realized I had a good amount of these locations that I'd visited started putting them all, you know, all the photos into a folder, compiling them. And then I started looking for more. (laughs) And it just kind of Mm -hmm. snowballed from there. I started uh, a database of places I wanted to visit. I started taking more photos at these places. Um, And that's how it really got me to the point I'm at now. That's so cool. And, And it's funny because most people think that, hey, I have time for vacation, I'm going to go sit on a beach somewhere and and sip a pina colada, and then you get some pop culture people like us who are like, no, I'm going to go look at the Brady Bunch house. (laughs) That's my idea of a vacation, right? (laughs) Exactly. I've never been a beach person. I mean, I don't mind a few hours at a beach or something, but for me to go and sit on a beach and have drinks for a week, is not my kind of vacation. I want to go out and explore. I want to see cities. I want to see culture, that sort of thing. And it's cool if you like to do the beach. Everyone has different interests, but that's what I consider a vacation is to go and explore. I 100% agree with you. So let's take some of the – I'm going to take a couple of the TV shows and a couple of the movies that you've uh, seen. We're going to talk about what you see, how you got there, how you did all of this. Uh, So let's start with, uh, let's see, where should we start? You mentioned the full house, that that's really kind of the TV part of what kicked this off for you. And I'm guessing you went to the iconic house on the hill. Yeah, exactly. In San Francisco, I was out with a colleague that I worked with on cruise ships, and we were just doing the sightseeing. We did Lombard Street and the streetcars and so on. Uh, And I said to her, let's hop in a taxi and go to the full house house. I really want to see it while I'm here. So we got in a taxi and we went, uh, we went over there and walked around. Uh, And honestly, there wasn't a lot of people there. I was a little bit surprised, but it was great because we got lots of photos without anybody blocking our view. Mm -hmm. And do you, have you had opportunities where you've gone to any one of these exterior places and you've run into other fans of whatever show it was that you were at? Yeah, quite often, especially the popular places. I've been back to the Full House house since then. And since Fuller House debuted, it's become very popular again. It's sort of a whole new generation that's discovering Fuller House and in connection back to the old series of Full House. So the last time I was there about a year and a half ago, there must have been 30, 40 people outside all trying to take photos and sit on the steps, that sort of thing. Um, And some of the other locations, you know, Ghostbusters, uh, the Brady Bunch house is a very popular one. I haven't been there since HGTV did their renovation, Mm -hmm. but I was there a few months before that. And 
there were still fans there, of course. Uh, and, you know, sometimes it depends how busy I am and what my schedule is. Sometimes I'll try and chat with people or uh, that sort of thing. Sometimes I just need to grab some photos and move on to the next location. Uh, and then sometimes I even run into owners of these houses or their neighbors or something like that. Um, and that's always really cool to get to chat with some of them. Now, you said that that actually happened to you when you went to the Goldberg's house. Talk about that. did, yeah. So I'd been there about a year and a half ago and just took some photos. And then last year, I was back in L.A. actually with my parents. We went down for a vacation. We were going to see a taping of The Big Bang Theory. So we sort of planned a whole week's vacation out of that. And... We went around to a few houses and we did stop at the Goldbergs because my parents enjoy the show. So I wanted to show them the house. And as we were out front, we were taking some photos. And of course, the owner drives up and we have to get out of her way because we're blocking her driveway. So we let her in, of course. Uh, and she was very nice. She said, just give me a moment to put my groceries away. She went in the house and came back out and chatted with us for a good 20 minutes about the show and what it's like when they come on to the scene and, you know, what the family has to do, whether or not they can stay or go, that sort of thing. That's really cool. And I mean, does does she ever have any problems with people that come by? She didn't mention any, she doesn't seem to be having any problems with people. I mean, you know, for myself and I hope for other people, I like to be really respectful respected or respectful when I go, you know, stay on public property, stay on the street or the sidewalk, don't block them. Although I guess I did block her driveway, but I moved. And um, (laughs) she, um, you know, that sort of thing. It's, these are still people's houses. They live there and, you know, they're making their house available to the crew to film in, but they still have to live there. So it's really important that we do respect them. So she was really nice. She chatted with us, uh, told us about, you know, how the crew goes into the house and uses the bathroom and stuff, but they're very nice and take care and clean up after. Um, and then the other thing she told me, I don't know if you know this. Uh, it's it's not a secret, I believe. I've seen it on a few websites, but she was telling us her house actually doesn't have a second floor. Hmm. But But the house on the Goldbergs does. So when they selected her house, they actually installed fake windows in the attic to make it look like it has a second floor to match the set. And those windows have been there since the show started. And it's in the contract that once the show wraps up, they're done filming, that they're going to take the windows back off and redo the roof and restore the house back to how it originally looked. Oh, wow. Um it- You know, it's funny because when they did the Brady Bunch renovation, I watched that on HGTV. I think that was the same case, that the real-life house didn't have a second floor, so they made it look like there was one, but you know that when you open up the inside, you know, you see that the big staircase to the second floor, but the real house didn't have the second floor, right? Exactly. It's a little bit funny when they pick these houses because sometimes they don't match the inside design or the floor plan at all. The Full House house is another really good example of that because uh, there's no, first of all, there's no way that house could exist at all. It's just totally messed up in terms of the floor plan. Uh, And then to fit in that little tiny house in San Francisco, it just wouldn't work at all. And I remember being told by a few people that at the Brady Bunch house, the previous owners before HGTV took over, ended up having to put a fence around the house because they would have fans come up and sneak up and look in the window because they wanted to get a, you know, a quick peek at that big staircase that's so famous from the show, but it doesn't exist. It wasn't in the house. So they kind of had to unfortunately put up a fence just to keep people away from looking into their privacy. Ah, people, it's movie magic. (laughs) Don't go peeking into people's houses. It's crazy. But I got to address something that you said because you were talking about full house. I always thought that. I always thought I see the outside of that house 
and then they open up those doors and you see the inside of that house and you're like, no, there's no way that that house looks like that on the inside when it looks that small on the outside. I used to laugh exactly. at that all the time. Yeah, it was actually a little bit absurd, to be honest, that the set had no you know, look to what it was supposed to be on the outside. Even just the bay windows, you know, in the living room, they had the bay windows next to the door. But then you'd go upstairs, and the upstairs bay windows were in Stephanie and DJ's bedroom, which somehow seemed to be on the back of the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, that's the thing. I guess they hope that we don't look at things this closely, but, you know, they don't realize what pop culture fans and TV fans will do when we love a movie or we, we watch something so many times that, and, and I guess maybe years ago when the Brady Bunch and, and Full House were, well, maybe not so much Full House, but let's say even like the Brady Bunch, you didn't get it in repeats until later. And you, if you saw it once, like you, you'd have to wait. So like now if you wanted to watch even I Love Lucy multiple times, you start seeing all these little glitches of things that they didn't really think about thinking that never thinking that people would, would not see this show over and over and over again and start to recognize some of these things. It's crazy, right? You're right. Exactly. And I mean, we have to sort of consider it was a different time in the industry and in the world back then, you know, there was no internet, there was no, you know, Facebook, all these groups where fans could connect and share all these bits of info. And even the shows weren't filmed in high definition. They were just, you know, meant to be viewed on a small TV. So I don't think they were really thinking that far ahead in terms of just how nitpicky some of these, you know, fan groups could get. And uh, But it's also a lot of fun to look for these little things. I know there's a lot of groups that like to look for... Um, you know, gags and Easter eggs and different things like that. And uh, mm-hmm. so it's it's a whole different world in terms of viewing things now. And, you know, I want my, my listeners to know that even though we're not going to get a chance to actually go through everything you've done, your your list of TV shows and movies is extensive. I mean, we're, we're, th- we're looking at shows that you've seen, like either exterior shots or, or some aspect of the show things like American Housewife, uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Golden Girls, um, the Jeffersons, and Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood even. I mean, your, your list is incredible, and, and I'll remind people at the end of the interview to please go to your website and check it out and see all the different places that Rob has seen. But I want to ask you, like, what's one of your – let's stick with TV shows for now. What's your favorite show? Like, you know, I, I know that – I I would geek out over certain shows more than others, even though I'd want to see certain, you know, see all of them. But what show do you, I'm going to use the expression, geek out over when you got there and you're like, I, I can't believe I'm here. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, people do ask me, do you just look these up in general or do you tend to go to places where you're really interested in the show? And honestly, I tend to focus on the ones that I'm a fan of because it's of interest to me, you know. I'm If there's something close by to where I am, I may look it up. But for the most part, I'm seeking out the shows that I really like. Um, one example I'll mention is uh, American Housewife. It's a hilarious show. It's on ABC. It's been around for, I think they're in their fourth season now. Uh, I enjoy watching it. My parents love it as well. It's got a really cultish fan base. People love this show. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, last time I was in L.A., I got to go to see the school where they film at. uh, And actually through some connections, I was able to get a private tour of the CBS studio, CBS Radford, where they film the show. I didn't get to see the interior sets, but I got to see the exterior house, which is on their back lot. um, And also the New York Street, uh, which is on that lot, which is also where they filmed all the outside scenes for Seinfeld. So it was incredibly cool to be able to walk down that street and see where, you know, one of my favorite shows, American Housewife, but also Seinfeld's probably one of the top shows of all time. And to be walking down that street where, you know, George had to get his Frogger video game across the street (laughs) was just 
completely surreal. I, it's been a year now, and I still really can't believe that I've walked down it. You know, it, I've had people ask me, and maybe you get this too, and I know the people listening to this podcast are like us, but you may get somebody that goes, okay, I don't get it. Like, what's the big deal standing outside of where a show was filmed or where a movie scene was shot? Like, why is it a thrill? So why is it a thrill to you? You know, I think the experience is a little bit different for everybody, and I totally get how some people could really care less. You know, everybody's interested in different things. But for me, being a fan of the television and movie industry, you know, it's what I grew up. It's the art that I associated with from when I was a little child. You know, some people will travel across the world to see the Mona Lisa in Paris, and that will take their breath away. And for me, you know, I grew up watching Home Alone every year. So to finally pull up to that house and park and get out of the car and be looking at it face to face is just incredible. And the house Mm -hmm. itself, I mean, some people won't find it a piece of art. They just think it's another house in another suburb of Chicago. But for me, because of that movie and that connection, it's something that just takes my breath away. It's so cool to be able to stand there and see where that piece of history in the film industry happened. Oh, I agree with you. And what started for me on all of this was that movie Under the Tuscan Sun. And it was like she got out, uh, you know, got got off the plane and got started driving around Italy. And just some of the scenes just took my breath away. And I never experienced that before. And I always said that I want to stand in certain spots that she stood And I want to go there and experience it. And as if I were in that movie, because I love that movie. It's like one of my favorite movies. Um, So I I know how you feel. And it's like sometimes you can have just this, even almost an emotional connection to seeing something in a movie and then going in real life and seeing it. Um, So I, I completely understand. And, I did ask, I know before we jump over to movies, um, I did want to talk to you about, I mentioned this to you earlier, Grey's Anatomy. And uh, I was a late bloomer when it came to watching Grey's Anatomy, but I watch it every week now. And I think it's a fantastic show. So tell me a little bit about your experiences with Grey's before we move on to a few of the movies that are on your list. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Grey's Anatomy is, a pretty legendary show in itself. Now it's been on, I think they're in their 14th season, which is kind of Mm -hmm. hard to believe. I'll be honest. I hated the show during the first season because it took over the time slot of one of my favorite shows, the OC. So (laughs) (laughs) they canceled the OC, the OC put on Grey's Anatomy. And I was like, Nope, not watching that show. Uh, But then of course Mm -hmm. I got hooked. So, um, and from watching the show, I thought, this whole thing is filmed on a studio, you know, other than a few establishing shots of uh, the Seattle skyline. I thought it was all in a studio, which all the interiors are, but they do actually use a real hospital in the LA area uh, to do the external shots. So every time you see them standing outside the hospital, waiting for a taxi, sitting on a bench, talking, you know, that's all done in that, hospital and that um that catwalk that you see on the show and they filmed a few pivotal scenes there i think there was a shooting scene in one episode quite a few years ago that is the one thing that is filmed on location inside the hospital it actually exists there uh so it was really cool to stop by and see that now much like when you're going to a residential home. And certainly you want to be careful with schools and hospitals and stuff. You don't want to get in the way. You don't want to be disruptive, anything like that, because it's a working hospital. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at the same time, visiting the hospital, I could tell that I was not the only fan that had visited because (laughs) nobody batted an eye to me walking around and taking photos. Mm -hmm. Wow. 
Um, and, and you bring something up, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, and that's kind of like some tips and suggestions to the travelers who want to do what we do, and that it, number one, and even you mentioned it before with, with the woman's house, it's respect. It's all about be respectful of the site, the building, the house, whatever you're standing in front of. Be respectful while you're there. Yeah, because, I mean, these are still people that have to live their lives. It's their house. It's their school. It's the hospital. It may be an office building. But these are people who are, you know, just like you and I. We have to go to work and do our job and get paid and go on with life. So, you know, I think I've never really had a bad experience with anybody. But as long as you show them respect, they're going to be respectful back. Right, exactly. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about some a couple of these movies. Um, I I have not told you which movies I was going to pick, so just so the okay, hit me. Knows, let's can, see. You know, I'm going to hit you. I actually want to start off with Fifty First Dates because I love that movie. I have seen that movie more times than I can count at this point. Uh, so tell me what you did. I'm guessing you went to Hawaii. Yeah, I was in Hawaii a year ago. And I got to do a number of locations while I was there. Uh, In terms of 50 first dates, some of the locations are private, like the house that's used on the show. Um, And it's, it's on a few acres on its own. It's fenced in, so it's really not even possible to see it. But uh, quite a few locations were filmed on Kualoa Ranch, which is open to the public. It's used for, all sorts of filming. Uh, they have done Jurassic Park there. They've done. I've got an article on my website about it actually, and um, it. They also do ATV tours and horseback riding. It's a beautiful location, but they did use it for 50 first dates. So I've got photos where they had built the Hukilau Cafe, uh, which was built just for the sh- movie and then torn down after, so it doesn't exist anymore. Uh, now, wow. there is a real Hukilau Cafe, which was not seen in the movie, but it is based on it. Uh, so that's a pretty cool place to stop by for breakfast if you're a fan of the movie. And uh, there's also the dirt road from the movie. You know that scene where the penguin's walking across the road and Drew Barrymore has to hit the brakes and stuff? And um, that's filmed on the <laughs> ranch as well. So... Yeah. Uh, there's no penguins around, <laughs> but you can certainly see that location as well. They actually do two different movie tours at the ranch. Uh, one is a basic one, which is only an hour. You don't get off the bus. So if you really want to see the location, do the deluxe tour because it's about three hours. They stop the bus. It's a small group. You get out to take photos everywhere. Uh, it's a pretty awesome experience, and um, they've done lots of movies there. Kong was done there, the Jurassic Park movies. Uh, There's a few TV shows that have been done there as well. So, um, yeah, if you're a fan of 50 First first Dates, it's a great place to check out. Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. I think it's hysterical. And uh, especially, uh, (laughs) I could could spend a whole episode just talking about that movie. But I love when they um, have the, the problems, first of all, with Drew Barrymore is the guy who plays his brother, her brother. Uh, he's hilarious. And then um, when they go to the the center where the guy can't remember your name, like 30 or five seconds later. Uh, and I just, it just has, every time I watch it, I find something new that I laugh about. So uh, a lot of people look at me like I'm crazy that I love that movie, but I do. Um, so it's a classic. I'm note, with you on that. It It is. It is. Um <laughs> So let's talk about, let's see, what else do I have here? God, you have so many great movies that you've you've gone see. I don't know what to pick. How about Pretty Woman? Because that is my husband's favorite movie, and this is a man who says he never watches chick flicks, and there's not one time that that movie ever comes on our TV that he does not click on it. So I want to know what you found for Pretty Woman. There's a lot of guys that say I'm not into chick flicks, right? But they all love Pretty Woman. There's something about that movie. Maybe, you know, everybody wants to be Richard Gere and live that life, maybe. I don't know what it is, but um, it's it's a great movie. And if you're going to Hollywood as a tourist, 
you know, it's all filmed right there. It's all done in the area. You don't have to go out into the mountains or anything. You're close to everything. Um, the Beverly Wilshire Hotel in Beverly Hills is where they did the exteriors of the hotel. And that's very easy to see. It's right by Rodeo Drive. It's right by the shop where Julia Roberts gets thrown out and then she goes back to get her revenge. I mean, who doesn't love that scene, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I mentioned the hotel. Unfortunately, the interiors, from what I know, were filmed at the Ambassador Hotel, and that's been torn down. So it's not possible anymore, unfortunately, to go and see the interiors. But the exterior of the Beverly Wilshire is still there. That's so cool. That is a really, it is a classic movie. Um, so were you, have you ever been disappointed when you got somewhere and, you know, I know maybe something like you said was torn down, but that's something you were really looking forward to. But when you got there, you were like, this is it. Um, not really. Generally, if something's been torn down, if it doesn't exist anymore, because I do research before I visit these places. So I'm usually aware of that ahead of time. Uh, sometimes I just don't bother visiting. Sometimes I'll still go and check out the site where it once stood um, but for the most part, I mean, I haven't been disappointed. Sometimes I've had to stay quite a while because there's a lot of people or traffic or something to just get my photos. Uh, for example, the theater that's seen at the end of the movie, Billy Elliot, it's right in downtown London and, uh, it's the Royal Theater Haymarket but it's right on a busy street. So in order to get a shot of the theater, I had to wait about 45 minutes for the traffic to eventually let up just so I could snap a couple photos before they started driving again. Wow. Now you, um, you know, you've talked about like planning your trips and things like that. Is there, has there been a place that you've not seen yet that's on your list of, you know, like, top one on your list I really I have to see this but I haven't been there yet yeah there is absolutely and I keep a database just for my own records anytime I hear of a location that's filming or if I think you know I should look up where this was filmed I'll find the info I have and then add it to my database but one of the movies I grew up with is The Sound of Music it's a classic the Rodgers and Hammerstein musical and you know Julie Andrews and Christopher Plummer they're iconic and mm-hmm. I would love to get to Austria, to get to Salzburg and see where they filmed that. They do offer Sound of Music tours in the city where they take you to all the filming locations. Uh, so that's probably the top of my list in terms of my bucket list of where I'd like to go. I just haven't had the opportunity yet. Well, how far out do you plan your trips and, and how much time do you put into getting yourself prepared for these? When I travel, you know, it depends a lot. I've booked trips a few days ahead. Sometimes I'm booking them months ahead. Uh, A trip to Europe or something like that is usually something you don't throw together a couple days ahead. So uh, I will spend some time researching and looking up locations. And I tend to use Google Maps a lot, and I'll put in these different locations to sort of strategize the best way to see them. You know, if you're going to a city like London, You don't want to cross the city 17 times because you didn't look up the addresses. You want to kind of make a strategy of maybe a circle that you can do to hit all these locations. Um, So Google Maps is a great tool that I use a lot just to research, and even Google Street View just to see what these places look like, and it helps me kind of plan how I'm going to do my photography and so on. Can I get shots from across the street? Can I maybe go into a restaurant across the street and go upstairs and take photos, that sort of thing. Now, we talked earlier about giving our listeners some other tips. And, you've, you know, I've learned so much from you just even talking to you about your experiences um, and even the planning part of it. But do you have any other tips to give to the, to the listeners if they want to do what you do? Well, there's lots of 
location hunters out there like myself, uh, my website, I actually have a list of links of other sites uh, of people who do the same sort of thing. I'm honestly not in competition with anybody. I talk to a lot of people and we kind of have a little community and share information. So uh, feel free to look at that, look up myself and some of the other people, ask us questions on Twitter, Instagram, whatever. And, um, you know, so that's a great way to get started is to just look up these places that other people have been. If you have something that's really important to you if there's a specific movie or tv show chances are one of us has been there or at least looked into it there's not much out there that somebody hasn't researched before and um you know just look it up plan your trip if you're trying to hit a lot of locations you might want a car rental to get around because some of these are off the beaten path um Make sure your batteries are charged. You do not want to get somewhere. I was once on Santa Monica Pier, and five minutes before the sunset, my battery died. So after that, I learned, always have a backup battery with you. And Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, I've been back there, and I've seen the sunset. It's always beautiful from Santa Monica Pier. But uh, that one time, it was quite disappointing to lose my photos. Uh, the other tip that I'd want to say is, you know, it's nice to get photos. It's nice to get those hits on Instagram and Twitter and so on and to share. Uh, but always try and at least take a moment for yourself to just reflect on your journey and why you're there. You know, if you've had your heart set on seeing, like, I'll use my example, the Home Alone house. You know, you plan a trip, you fly there, you rent a car, whatever it is that you need to do to get to this location. You don't want to just roll down the window of your car, snap a photo and walk away, you know, mm -hmm. just whether it's talking to people, whether it's sharing the experience with a friend that traveled with you, uh, anything like that. But it's always nice to just take a moment and actually, you know, experience being there because maybe you'll never get back. Right. I agree with you. So many people are experiencing things through the lens that they're not putting it down and, just looking around and taking a breath and going, I'm here because I guarantee you, you're going to remember that feeling more than you'll remember which angle you took the picture, where you took, where you were standing. You'll, and I, to this day, like I can remember exactly where I stood. Like this is not a, a set thing or anything like that. But when I saw the Grand Canyon, like I, I took a big deep breath and I just looked around and I stared and I, I can remember that so clearly, yet there are some other places that I'm like, all right, I took the picture and then I left. Where was that picture taken again? You know, so it, it's all about the experience. Absolutely. I'm glad you said that because I think that's super important. And, um, but I actually, I have one more question before I let you go because I, I can't do it without, I can't let you go without talking about this. You have a section on your site called Famous Graves. And you have been to the grave sites of various celebrities and athletes. And, and I'm going to ask the question everybody else would ask, but I, although I've been to Lucille Ball, but I would say, like, why? why? Why would you go to those particular grave sites? What, what's the draw to seeing them? So going to those is not a big part of what I do. Uh, and again, in fact, it was just a few months ago that I sort of realized I have visited quite a few of these graves. Uh, yeah. A lot of them are, yeah, it, it almost disturbed me a little quite how many I've been to. Um, <laughs> but some of them are attractions in themselves. Uh, you know, like in Jamestown, New York, it, you've been there, so you know Lucille's Ball, Lucille Ball's grave is one of the big sites to see. Um, and I just sort of realized that I'd actually been to a lot of these, and I just thought, you know, it'd be interesting for people who want to look it up to see where some of these are. Now, there's websites that really specialize in this, and I'm nowhere close to having what some of them have. Um, but I just thought it would be interesting. And, you know, I always go to these graves 
with a sense of respect. I'm not there to take selfies. I'm not there to, you know, fawn over it as though, you know, they're alive. You know, it's a, it's a burial place. It's a place to show respect. Um, but these people are all people that have had some sort of influence on our culture, whether they've been, you know, presidents or actresses or singers. And, um, you know, it's just interesting to go and see them, their grave and to kind of show some respect for the influence that they've had on our culture. Oh, I agree. I mean, when I, I went to Jamestown a few years ago and I did the August, they have every year the comedy festival and I took that tour and Lucille Ball is like my idol, you know, and my kids always, if you ever could go back in time and meet somebody, I would love to meet her. And when they took us on the tour and we were able to get out and went over to the grave site, I mean, I, I didn't expect that I actually got emotional and because I thought about the impact that she had on the things that I chose to do in my life and what I wanted to be and, and how much her show influenced me in the sense of, you know, whenever I was down or, you know, having a bad day and, and I turned in, tuned into I Love Lucy, that made my day better. And that's a huge impact on somebody. So I got emotional standing at a grave site, which I was not expecting to do. Um, and it's exactly why you said it's because the impact that these people have had on our lives one way or another, you know. So I had to ask you, I know I kind of didn't tell you I was going to ask you about that, but I had to because uh, I don't really think that you can avoid talking about something like that. That's so interesting. Um, yeah, it's tell fine. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. The other thing I just wanted to mention about the graves, too, I mean, you're absolutely right, because we develop these connections with people. But I also find it humanizes them. You know, like, no matter what you do in life, I'm never going to be rich and famous. Most of us are never going to be rich and famous. These people are people who maybe had success in life, or they were, you know, born into a good situation, or maybe they worked really hard to get to where they are. But ultimately, they all have family and friends and, you know, we all pass away eventually, which is unfortunate, but it's the way life works. And, you know, I think it just humanizes them. You kind of realize that, you know, if you're at the grave of someone, you know, we miss them, but imagine their friends and family as well. Like this was a real person in their life and, you know, it's just a nice way to memorialize them. And that's the thing, too. Like you said, they're real people. And I think when you do get to a gravesite of a famous person, that comes into reality, is that they're real people. They lived, they raised a family, they worked, and they passed away. And in between, they made us feel and laugh and, and cry or whatever emotions they brought. But that's, that's really it. It's at the end, we're all real people. And but I, I want to actually remind people, too, like what you said earlier about respect, especially at, at gravestones, is please, you know, I'm hearing horror stories sometimes for, of people who are going to sites um, and, and really not behaving in a proper manner. So, you know, the, the more people out there don't behave in a proper manner, the, the less opportunities we're going to have to actually go out and see things because people are going to stop letting them be available and accessible. So um, I think that's really something important to keep in mind. Now, how do my listeners follow you on social media? And I'm telling you, I can keep going. I can talk to you about every one of these things. But I know you're a, you're a working man. I'm sure you're ready and hungry for dinner. So I'm going to let you get going. But tell my listeners how they can follow you. Yeah, absolutely. This all started with my Instagram account, which is simply titled Filming Locations. And I started it a couple of years ago and started putting my photos up and sort of developed a bit of a following that way. Uh, so feel free to follow me on Instagram. Also, I have a Twitter account. I don't use it as much, but I'm still on there a couple times a day. It's at Rob on Location. So feel free to interact. I love to live tweet some of my favorite shows and talk about, you know, industry news and TV ratings, that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, when something 
happens in the industry. Unfortunately, we just found out last week that Hawaii Five O is ending in a couple weeks. So, unfortunately, some shocking news, but uh, that's the sort of thing I like to use Twitter for. And then people can always visit my website, robonlocation.com. I have databases of the TV shows, movies, and so on that I've been to, uh, some of the studios that I've been able to visit, and even live TV tapings that I've been to. I've been to quite a few. I've been very fortunate. So uh, I've got articles on all of those experiences up on the website. That's so cool. And you are so much fun to talk to, Um, you know, maybe down the road when you keep adding more to your list, you can come back on and talk about more of your experiences. Would you do that for me? Yeah, I'd love to. I think we could probably talk for hours if we got the chance. So uh, just let me know. I'd be happy to, Lisa. Sounds good. Rob, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. You have a great day. Thanks so much. You too. Thank you so much, Rob, for that interview. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. And please follow him on social media to keep up with what he's doing when he gets back on the road. And he's just also fun to follow on social media just because he posts a lot of things about the trips he's already been on. So if you haven't learned a lot about him, you can through uh, some of the social media posts. So if you haven't already subscribed to my podcast or left me a review, please do so. It helps me to continue and grow this channel. Remember, please visit realtravelsmagazine.com. And I'm also revising the Virgin Traveler website to include some great upcoming trips and information for you if you're new to traveling. As I mentioned, my book, Road Trip, The Sports Lover's Travel Guide, is out. And you can pair it with my other book, On Location, a film and TV lover's travel guide, to plan your upcoming trips. And I am going to continue talking about travel because it makes me feel better. Even if I can't go anywhere yet, talking about it, planning it, reading about it, watching TV shows about it, watching movies or documentaries about it, it makes me feel good. And we'll all get back out there again. Um, So don't give up planning and dreaming. On that note, I'll be back next week. In the meantime, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me on Twitter at Virgin Traveler or DM me on Instagram at The Virgin Traveler. I also have a Real Travels page on Facebook too, so there's plenty of ways to keep up with what's going on and reach out to me. Thank you so much for stopping by and listening. See you next week.